Good morning. Good morning. Waiting for. I, lo- I love um, each Sunday morning the opportunity for us to worship with our kids, and uh, it's awesome uh, <laughs> that to look around and see how many um, students, how many school age kids we have that join us. Um, there's not a lot of. I don't want to say there's not a lot, but there's a lot of churches that don't do that. And I think the opportunity for kids to stand next to their parents and worship with them, uh, watching them all leave together, it, it's exciting to me. Um, guys, as, as I come up here this morning, uh, clearly I'm not Brandon. Um, I'm not the voice that y'all would typically hear on a Sunday morning. For those of y'all I haven't met, I think I've met most everybody up here, but my name's Mark. I'm one of our elders here. And... Um, Occasionally, Brandon gives me the opportunity to share on a Sunday morning as well. And um, I am excited about this chance. I'm excited about the Word um, that God's given me. But I want to preface it with um, any mistakes we're going to blame on Brandon because he's the one to let me come up here. So uh, I think he even stepped out just now, so it's good I said that. Oh, no, now I see him. (laughs) So, So it's his fault. But um, but no, in seriousness, um, several months ago before summer, Brandon came to me and asked if I would be willing to teach this morning. And um, he told me we'd be going through Psalms this summer. He gave me a Psalm that he said, hey, I think this is this is where we're going to go. Um, and I kind of looked at him and said, probably not. Uh, let me look at some other psalms. Um, at the time, I was that's what I was reading in my personal study, and so I was going through the book of Psalms and made it a point over the next month, month and a half to, oh, wait, this is a good one. I'm going to earmark this one. Oh, wait. You know, just jotting notes. Um, but during that process, there was never one that I felt the Spirit saying, this is where you're going, which I think was the Spirit's quiet way of telling me, you know, Brandon's prayed through this, and and this is, we have a plan. Um, And so as it got closer and closer and I had nowhere else to go, uh, I kind of felt like I was stuck with this psalm. Um, But over the last two weeks reading through it, God has shown me some powerful things. Um, He's changed uh, my view on what I thought was a a very depressing message that Brandon was allowing me to share with y'all this morning to something much more uplifting. Um, And and so I say all that to say my prayer has been over this week that your hearts would be prepared for this message, that God would share with you some of the same things that he shared with me, the the songs Chris went through this morning, almost every single one of them. can relate to the psalm that we're about to go through. And so um, I just ask that as we go through this, maybe it's a psalm you've heard before, um, that, that, that you have an open mind, um, that, you, that you listen to it like it's with new ears. And for those of you that haven't gone through this psalm before, I pray um, that God has something for you. So before we dive in and we jump in, let's pray. Father, I come to you and I, I lift this up to you. I lift this time up to you. I thank you for each and every person in this room and in this space. I thank you that you have a word for them. And I pray that you help me to just get out of the way. 
I pray that You would be glorified through this time as we come together and dive into Your Word. It's Your Son's name we pray. Amen. Um, if you brought your Bibles with you today, feel free to go ahead and start opening up to Psalm 42. And as you're doing that, I want to remind us um, of something Brandon has kind of come back to throughout this series. And that's a few points um, from John Piper out of the book, Shaped by God. It's a book we went through last spring uh, in our small groups um, that uh, goes through some different psalms. And so there's three things... John Piper says we should know about the Psalms. Alan, if you'll pull those up for us. And those three things are the first one, they're instructive. The next one, they are poems. And the last one, that they are from God. And so they're instructive. And what that tells us is that the Psalms are meant to teach us a lesson. That as we read through them, there's something that God wanted to share with us through the authors of these Psalms. That they're poems. That many, and many of these were actually songs meant to be sung in worship. And we know, even in, in, in pop culture, that songs and poems are meant to stir the emotions of the heart. And that's the desire of the people writing these psalms. Not only to teach us something, but in the midst of that, to stir the emotions of the heart. And lastly, that they are from God. Like all Scripture, these are words inspired by God, not words from man. And so we want to keep those three things in mind, not only as we look into this psalm this morning, but in your own time as you study the psalms, read through them on your own. I challenge you to keep those three points at the front of your mind. So as we go to Psalm 42, we're going to read through it in a moment. We're not there yet, guys, but um, there's there's something I want to point out. Uh, when we did this study, um, I don't know if you've got the text with you, there's a subtext to this psalm. And um, it was a pretty common consensus among the group that was in my living room that night when we went through this psalm that we typically just kind of breeze over those things. And get straight to verse 1. And in studying this, I found that now I pay a lot more attention to those sub- subtexts. So at the top of the screen here, Psalm 42, the very first thing that's mentioned is to the choir master, a mascal of the sons of Korah. And typically, like I said, I would see that, I would skip right over it, start with verse 1. I don't know what he's talking about. But when we take a moment to think about what that's talking about, research it a little bit, I think it's very important to the context of this and helps us better understand what the author was trying to get across. So the the first point to the choir master tells us that this is a song. It's not just a song for an individual to sing. This is a song meant for corporate worship. It was a song for a body of believers like this to come together and sing together. A mascal. Um, (laughs) A I don't even know if I'm saying that word right, but we're going to assume I am. Um, as I did a little research on that, there's not a lot you can find on it. My Bible itself says we don't know what this word means. Um, but what I did find was that um, it likely comes from a Hebrew verb, meaning to make someone wise or to instruct. 
And so we can go back to the three points we talked about a minute ago that point to this, that, okay, one, this is a song, but it's not just a song to sing and, and, and enjoy. It's a song to teach us a lesson. And the last and most important point for me is who this song is from. It's from the sons of Korah. If we go earlier into the Old Testament, we find out that these were men who were called by God to do a specific job. And that was to lead the people of Israel into worship. That was their goal. That's what God had called them into, the ministry He had given them. And so we see um, in different uh, books of the Old Testament where they were leading the people in procession, leading the people in worship of God. And I think that's very important for us as we begin to read through this text to understand the man or men that wrote this together where their heart was. And so let's take a minute and let's just read through Psalm 42. It says, As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for You, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and all your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands His steadfast love and at night, His song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, Why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. I know we don't typically on a Sunday morning um, read through the psalm or read through the text front to back, but I wanted to start there because I think taking the context of this psalm is very important. It's important we see the big picture. We see where the writer is going. I wanted you to see what I see as I read through this psalm, which is a man that's broken. A man that doesn't see God in his current circumstances. He doesn't feel God in his current circumstances. And maybe now you're starting to figure out why I wasn't excited about teaching this lesson. That we we see a man desperate. And I think it's a point 
we might not like to talk about, but that each of us in this room can relate to. That maybe you're here this morning and you're in the midst of that moment right now. Maybe you've just come out of that. And you can look back and you can see how God carried you through that moment. Or maybe the pain of that moment that happened months or years ago is still so strong that you don't even want me talking about it and bringing it up right now. But that we've all been there. We've all been through this. And what we see in this Scripture, in this passage, in this psalm, is a man at a very low point in his life, leaning on God and teaching us through his actions how we can respond to our seasons of darkness in a way that honors and glorifies God. So, as we consider how to respond to those times, and that's what I feel like this psalm is about. It's about teaching us, instructing us. How do we respond to these times in our life? There's five questions that are asked through this psalm. Two of them are repeated. But there's five total questions asked. And I believe as we look through it, there's four lessons that we can learn from those questions. And so as we go through, and you'll see in your talk notes that that we're going to go through these questions and we're going to discuss what the different things are that we can learn from each of these points. And so the first question that I want us to consider, it's found at the end of verse 3, and then again, it's one of them that's repeated at the end of verse 10. And the question is, where is your God? Now, this isn't a question that was asked by the author. He says this was written by his adversaries, or, or was stated by his adversaries or by his enemies. That they're the ones calling out. They're looking at his current circumstance. They're seeing how dark his situation is and saying, okay, so where is your God now? In the midst of this, where is your God? And I love his response in verse 4. He tells them exactly where he finds his God. He says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession, to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. And so, our lesson from this psalm, or from this uh, question is, no matter the season of life, God is near. We see the, the writer of this psalm, he goes back to intimate moments he had with God. Remember that his job is to lead the people of Israel into worship. And so he goes back to moments when he was doing that and God felt so close and so near. He goes back to moments when he, he was overwhelmed by how close God was. He goes back to those times In a current moment when God seems so distant because He knows what's true. He knows that moment was true. He goes back to a time when there was no doubt that God was real and moving to remind Himself 
He is just as real in this moment. When I was reading this, it, it took me to a hymn. I don't know a lot of hymns. Um, I didn't, when I started going to church, the church I went to in high school didn't sing hymns. We don't do a lot of hymns, so I don't know many. But there's a hymn called Come Thou Fount that I do know because of Dave Crowder. Um, he put it on his first album. And in that hymn, he mentions an Ebenezer. And I always thought, or he doesn't, but when I was exposed to it, it was him. Um, and I thought that was a weird reference to Scrooge and why are we talking about that in a hymn. Um, but he explained it and where that term comes from, it's from 1 Samuel, it's chapter 7. Um, the Israelites are about to go into battle with the Philistines again. And they look around and say, these guys are bigger and there's more of them and, and we're doomed. And God delivers them. They defeat the the Philistines. And and afterwards, Samuel sets sets up a stone pillar. And he calls it an Ebenezer. And he says, till now, the Lord has helped us. He sets up this stone as a reminder to the people of Israel that when you come back by here and you see this stone, remember that up till this point, God has walked with us. And that's what I believe the psalmist is doing here. He's looking at his Ebenezer moments. He's looking at his till now moments. And so my question for you would be, what are your till now moments? What are those moments when you can look back to and say, God was moving then and He's just as real now as He was then? I can go back to the summer before my high school, uh, my senior year of high school, the first time I ever went to summer camp. Um, I was blessed with the opportunity to be in the mountains of Colorado for that camp. And so laying on the ground, uh, laying on a basketball, outdoor basketball court, staring up at the sky, all the lights off on the camp, and a couple people playing some worship music as we closed out our last night, feeling like this shooting stars that were everywhere were so close I could almost touch them. I experienced God in a way I never had up until that point. I remember uh, being in the Fort Worth Convention Center um, January of 1999 at a conference called Passion. And that that room, and, and I know a lot of us have been in there for, if nothing else, graduation, but that room was packed. The floor all the seats with college-age students worshiping God the Father. And in that moment, again, I experienced God in a way that I never had before. Over the past several years, each summer, I am blessed with the opportunity to get to go with my kids and your kids to summer camp. And it never fails that every summer, there's at least one night of worship. Why do I talk about our kids? Why do I do that? There's one night of worship where God moves in such a powerful way. And I get to watch those kids worship God. I get to join them in that. And it is amazing to experience that. And those are my Ebenezer moments. Those are the moments that when I feel distant to God, I can go back to. And I say, no, God was real in that moment. And He's just as real now. So when I don't feel that close, when the enemy begins to taunt me, 
and ask, where is your God? I can respond that He's in the same place He was in each of those moments because He never changes and He never leaves my side. And so we need those moments. We need those opportunities, um, those times to look back on and to hang on to. The second, I told you all that that question was asked twice. And I'll, I'll reassure you that the other questions don't take quite as long as that one to go through. Um, but I told you that question was asked twice. The second time he, that question is asked by his enemies, he answers it a little bit differently. He answers it with another question. And the question is, why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? And as he asks this question, I feel like it's a rhetorical question. I feel like it, it reminds me of a few times growing up about my son's age and a little bit older um, when my parents would come to me with a question that they weren't really looking for necessarily for an answer. But maybe I hadn't made the best choices. I mean, occasionally that would happen. And their response to my stupidity was, what were you thinking? They, they didn't really care what I was thinking. <laughs> In all honesty, right? We've been there. You've either asked that question or it's been asked of you. I get the same vibe from this question. He didn't, I don't think the author is seeking out an answer, but he's drawing out of himself. And remember, this is a song, so he's drawing out of the singers of this song. He's drawing out of them a response that points to the Father. And I love his response. It, it, it reminds me of a lot of the songs we just sang. He says, Hoping God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. The question that he's asking himself is, how in the midst of all these opportunities that God's given me, all these Ebenezers, all these till now moments that I've just talked about, could my soul feel distant from God? How is that even possible? And so his response is, hoping God. And he begins to kind of coach himself up with that. So the question we ask is, why are you downcast, my soul? The lesson is, regardless of the season, hope in God is an essential he realizes the importance of hoping in God in this moment. That his hope in God's love, guidance, instruction, mercy, forgiveness, that his hope in all of this is what will carry through. And he doesn't give in to the current circumstances, but he wills himself to believe what his head knows is truth, even if his heart isn't there right now. Have you been there? That moment when you know you've read something in Scripture, you know you've been taught something, you know in your head that it's true, but your heart is so far from there. In those moments, what we see the author of this psalm do is he begins to coach himself up. Hope in God. You will praise Him again. You know that because you've gone through these things before. And He's carried you through every single time. He's given you exactly what 
you needed, even if you didn't realize it. The trick is, or the the difficult part is, and, and the question I have to ask myself is, why I don't do that? Why so often I instead choose to throw a fit like a three-year-old to lay there in the mess and say, what, what am I supposed to do now? You've left me. When I know He hasn't, I just got to get my heart to get to that point. I just got to get my heart there. And so sometimes that takes reassuring myself, coaching myself up, talking Repeatedly talking to myself. One of the things I thought during worship is that can look different to everybody, but some of those songs we sang today, it could be just listening or singing to those songs. There's a couple of songs that, that come to mind for me that are, that are very powerful songs or old songs. Brandon makes fun of me because I don't listen to anything new. Um, but Casting Crowns has a song uh, uh, called um, Praise You in the Storm. We used to do it in... in youth ministry a long time ago um and and that song every time i hear it yeah it just it resonates within me shane and shane have a song called though you slay me same message in those two songs that relates to this psalm but man it, it just moves within me and so i challenge you maybe it's just reading scripture i don't know but whatever that is that you need to carry you along, to get you through those moments, to coach yourself up. Use those tools. The third question we're going to look at, and we're going to move through these next two. But the third question is, why have you forgotten me? I think the context here is very important because I do not believe the author is writing literally. I don't believe he thinks that God has forgotten him. And the reason I say that is we can look at verse 8 of, of, this, um, of this psalm, and it says, By day the Lord commands His steadfast love, and at night His song is with me. And then the next statement is, Why have you forgotten me? So I don't think this is a matter of Him truly believing God has forgotten Him. I think this is one of those moments when your emotions get the best of you. And he is speaking from the heart. He's not saying God has really forgotten me. He's saying, I feel as if you're not here. I feel as if you're not listening to me. And what I take away from this, what I, what I love about this, the, is the freedom to turn to God and be able to be honest with how we feel. That our God is bigger than our questions that don't make sense. That if I'm feeling God isn't there, I can tell Him that. And through that, I'm probably going to be drawn closer to Him through that honesty than I would if I held that, held that inside. I think the next question goes hand in hand with this one. And that's why they're both kind of listed together here on the screen. The next one says, Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? And His response... In verse 11, is the same response we saw in verse 5. It's his ultimate response to all of his current situation. To believe that he will praise God again. To hope in his heavenly Father. Knowing that in, his, in Him, His salvation is found. 
to realize that even if he doesn't hear God's voice clearly, it doesn't mean he isn't speaking. Maybe his focus is on the chatter of those enemies. And so that that chatter from them, the question of where is your God, is drowning out God's voice. Maybe he's so focused on his current circumstances he can't hear them. But the lesson we learn from this is when we feel God is silent, we must listen intently for His whisper. But even when we feel God isn't there, He is. And maybe in those moments when we feel He isn't talking, He is. We just need to lock it in. And I don't know about you, but for me, these are the moments when that is most difficult. These are the moments when I struggle with that the most because I'm weak, I'm tired, I don't want to fight. I'm done. But what we see the author do here is continue that fight. And so what we have to do is continue to intently fight to listen for God's Word uh, even when we feel like He's not talking. The last question, some of you may have thought, if you were looking along in the psalm, you may have thought I skipped this one. I did it on purpose. It's found all the way back at verse 2. It's the first question asked in this psalm, and I believe the question can be misunderstood if out of context. So that's why we read through the entire psalm. That's why we broke down all the other questions first, because I think apart from them, this can be easily misunderstood. The question of when shall I come and appear before God? And as a standalone question, this can mean so many different things. This could be someone thinking that they they deserve that. They're demanding that when's my turn? When is my turn to come before God? See all these other people spending time with God. When is it my turn? It could be out of fear. It could be, uh, I've been here. It could be someone who just wants the heads up so they can get cleaned up. Because they don't want God to see the filth. They feel like if I can just, I'll just, I'll just clean that up, I'll get rid of that, and then, I, and then I'll be presentable. For God. But I don't think any of these are what we're dealing with here. I think that's clear from the circumstances. Again, we go back, we have a broken man. He's broken beyond measure. He feels drowned by the current circumstances. He's overwhelmed. He says that he spends all day long and all night long crying. And this question is asked with a heart longing for nothing more than to be with God. The question is, when shall I come and appear before God? And the lesson is desire for God above anything else will carry us through any storm. There is nothing else that can carry us through the storms of our life that won't at some point fail us apart from God. Our jobs, security, friends, family, all those things can fail us. 
But God never will. And so apart from Him, if we're leaning on anything else to get us through these moments, those things will fail. And that's why it's so important that we trust in Him, that we look to Him. And that we see in this psalm, as this is the beauty of this psalm to me, this is what God revealed to me, is that the beauty of this psalm is that He begins with this. Before He even dives in to all the, all the mess that He's dealing with, He begins with, God, I just want to be with You. That's it. That's it. And is that not where God longs for us to be? And, and I don't know if you're like me, I hope you are, because otherwise I'm going to feel like an idiot in a minute. But way too often I find myself not there. Way too often um, I'm not there. But what I love about our Heavenly Father is that He knows that about me. And that He still guides me along. And He knows where He's taking me. He knows the ultimate goal. He knows uh, the man that He's calling me to, meet, to be and that He's shaping me into each day. And the same is true for you. So that even when along this journey I fall short, that I can get back up. I can stay on that trail because He loves me enough to stick with me in my, st- in my mistakes. Guys, we get ready to wrap up and, and the band's going to come up. I want to take a moment to point out two situations that I think we could be in this morning, in this space. Um, because as, as we've read through this, I think there's some of us that may be able to relate to this psalm in a way that some people in this room can't. Remember that the author of this psalm was an Israelite. He was part of God's chosen people from the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was God's chosen people of the Old Testament. And so he knew God in an intimate way and he had a relationship with God that was so intimate that he could have hope in his future. Because he knew God was with him. And there's some of us in this room right now, regardless of the circumstance we're in, like I talked about at the beginning, whether we're in the midst of this storm or we're years beyond it, that because of that relationship with Christ, or with God through Christ, we can relate to this psalm. We can hear these words and we say, okay, I may not be there right now, but I get what He's saying and I long to be there. I long to be able to find my hope in those moments in God and in Him alone. But then there's another group of people that could be in this room right now. And as we went through this, parts of it didn't make sense. Parts of it, in fact, as I was saying it, seems stupid. 
How could that be true? That doesn't make sense. And the reason is that apart from Christ, it doesn't. I mean, Scripture tells us that. It tells us that apart from Him, none of this makes sense. And so if, if you're sitting here this morning and you've been listening to this and saying, I, I don't get it. I don't get what you're saying. That doesn't make sense. How You could, in the midst of what I've gone through, still have hope. You don't know, you don't know my story, Mark. You don't know what I've, what I've experienced. And so how can you tell me there's hope to be found? And so my challenge to us all is that wherever you are along that journey, that if you have questions this morning, that you find somebody to talk to about that. Don't walk out of this building today without grabbing a hold of somebody. Come find me or Brandon, Jessica, Heather, Amy. Grab somebody. If you grab somebody and say, hey, I don't know what he was talking about. Does that make any sense to you? And they say, no, me neither. Then the two of you go find somebody else. All right, we'll have a big group party. Just keep going, all right? Because there's a conversation that needs to be had that is the most important conversation you could ever have if you've never made that decision to make Christ your Lord and Savior. And for those of us that have, there is so much power and so much... God is so glorified when His children come together in prayer and we lean on one another. And guys, we're not good at this. The ladies, they've got a Facebook page where they're throwing out prayer requests to each other all week long. They're doing, you fall on the phone and they're doing all this stuff and we're like, I'm good. We need it just as much as they do. Alright? God longs for us to do that. To be a body of believers who come to Him in prayer regardless of the circumstance. That we lean on one another to support us. Guys, I thank You for letting me share this morning. I thank You um, for listening. Our desire this week is to love God by... Let's stand pray. Father, I come to You this morning and again, thank You for this opportunity. Thank You for Your love. Thank You for Your kindness. Thank You that in the midst of the storm that You don't leave us. I thank You for the hope that we find in Jesus Christ. And I pray for each and every person in here, regardless of the season we're in, regardless of the circumstances, God, that if we need a moment with You, that we would not leave this building. If we need the support of another believer, that we would ask. God, that we could join one another in prayer so that we can get through these moments. Father, we love You. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.